نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and We seek refuge in Allah From the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger This evening, bi-ithnillahi ta'ala we would like to continue in the discussion uh, concerning the explanation or the sharh of the brief essay of al-imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah that essay entitled Nawaqid al-Islam the things which nullify a person's Islam or the things which nullify Muslims Islam uh, <clears throat> we have mentioned in the previous two lectures uh, one of the nullifiers of Islam the first of them that is shirk and we have also discussed the uh, important definitions related to this topic and some issues and of those issues that is of great importance is what we have discussed in the introductory lecture and just as a reminder I want to mention it in passing and that is that the scholars of the people of Sunnah have made a clear distinction between the hukum the ruling concerning a particular action that that action is kufr and between the hukum or the ruling concerning the person who performs that action and it is not necessarily required that because a particular action has been ruled in the sharia as kufr that the one who has done so is a kafir it is not necessarily so because as we said in that introductory lecture there are certain shurut or conditions that must be fulfilled before making the ruling on a person, on a particular specific individual that that person is a kafir due to some action or speech that they have done or said and likewise there are mawania prohibitive factors that have to be absent that have to be absent before one can be declared to be out of Islam, a kafir and if those prohibitive factors are present then it prohibits the ruling of kufr on that person even though what they have said is a statement of kufr or their action is an act of kufr the naqid the nullifier of Islam that we want to discuss this evening the second of that which Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has mentioned it is al-shafa'a or intercession he said man ja'ala baynahu wa bayna allahi wa fa'iq 
يدعوهم ويسألهم الشفاعة ويتوكلوا عليهم كفر إجماعا يعني that whoever places between himself and Allah whoever makes between himself and Allah وثائق يعني intermediaries something or someone as a medium between himself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supplicating those wasaiq supplicating them in the way that one supplicates Allah or asking them as shafa'a intercession in the way that intercession should only be requested from Allah and relying upon them yatawakkalu alayhim relying putting their trust and faith in them as they should trust only in Allah whoever has done so has made between them and between Allah a wasita a medium or an intermediary that they supplicate to or that they ask their needs or that they rely upon then that person has fallen into kufr they have become a kufr a kafir and this is according to the ijma of the muslim communities the muslim scholars of past and present allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran in surah az-zumr chapter 39 verse 3 ala lillahi ad-din al-khalis isn't it so that ad-din al-khalis the pure religion the pure ibadah that worship and obedience that it is for allah alone purely for allah alone isn't it so that obedience and worship belongs to Allah alone walladhina takhadu min dunihi awliya ma na'buduhum illa liyuqarribuna ila allahi zulfa and those who take others besides allah as awliya as friends or helpers or supporters other than allah they take as a wali other than allah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning them that they say ma na'buduhum illa لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى They claim when they make intermediaries between them and Allah worshipping them they claim that we are only worshipping them in order to get nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are only using them as intermediaries to get near to Allah the worship that we give to them it is only a means for us to get near to Allah to get closer to Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues in that ayat إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ and Allah judges or rules between them in that about which they differ. Inna Allaha la yahdi man huwa kathibun kafar. And Allah doesn't guide the one who is a liar, a kathib, and the one who is a kafir, disbeliever. In this ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear that they claim it is false. They are kathib. He said, Allah doesn't guide the kathib who lies claiming that he is offering worship to others than Allah to get near to Allah that is a lie kadhib and he doesn't guide the one who disbelieves who rejects the truth and who follows other than the correct way that one who worships other than Allah he said that they are kafirs for what they have done and they are liars for what they have claimed the second of those things which nullifies someone's islam is one of the most common acts of kufr which people fall into and as well it is one of the most dangerous placing something or someone between oneself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a wasita a medium between you and Allah this is one of the most common acts of kufr 
of kufr that takes a person out of Islam and it is also one of the most dangerous. So many of the people who identify themselves with Islam, who call themselves Muslims, while knowing nothing about the reality of Islam, have set up between themselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intermediaries, wasaiq. They supplicate them, asking them to remove their misfortunes and calamities which have befallen them and to relieve from them their worries and grief. And this is indeed shirk by consensus of the Muslim scholars. This is so because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not revealed the scriptures. He has not sent down revelation to the prophets, nor has he missioned the prophets, alayhim salam, except to teach the people to worship him alone without associating anything with him in that worship. In spite of this, the worshippers of graves, those who worship the so-called saints who are dead and buried in the graves, they have ignored all of this. And they have set up intermediaries, wasaif, between themselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they request these intermediaries to grant them some benefit or to remove from them some harm. Then they declare this to be worship. And they are supplicating and requesting from other than Allah some benefit or the repulsion of some harm. They claim that this is worship which Allah has commanded them with. And if anyone speaks out against these acts of worship which they are performing, they accuse him of not having proper respect for the awliya and the salihin. And this point is what has been mentioned by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab in the previous essay which we have studied, Al-Usul al-Sitka. How whoever doesn't, whoever refuses to worship other than Allah and whoever refuses to acknowledge any singularity or any uh, special uh, position or status for other than Allah, that Allah alone is the one that deserves to be worshipped. Whoever refuses to acknowledge some superiority to their so-called awliya and the so-called righteous as they see by offering acts of worship and obedience to them, then they say this person doesn't have respect for the awliya. They also falsely claim that they do not call on Allah directly out of respect and glorification of Him. They claim that we cannot go directly to Allah. This is because we want to extol and exalt and glorify Allah. Allah is too great for us to go directly to Him. They say that Allah must have a link or a medium through which we reach Him just as the king is not directly approached or asked for anything except through an intermediate, a minister or secretary or someone that is his go-between. They say that Allah has more right that we go through someone to him than than do the kings and rulers and the so-called people of greatness in this world. In this way, they have made a likeness. They have made tashbih. They have made a likeness between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator, the lord of the world, who is perfect in every way and has no imperfection. They have made a likeness between Allah the creator and the imperfect creation. And we seek refuge in Allah from such tashbih, comparing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the kings or the rulers or the so-called great people of this world. In this way, they have been deceived and misled until they have gone out of the fold of Islam. Through such ignorance, they have gone out of the fold of Islam. The evidence concerning this wrong position of 
taking intermediaries between oneself and Allah are many in the Qur'an and in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet And this would be clear to whomever would reflect on the Qur'an, seeking guidance and accepting the truth. And whoever reads the Qur'an, seeking guidance from the Qur'an, and accepting the truth when it comes to them, it would be clear to them. It would also become clear to them how foreign these ideas are to Islam and how ignorant so many of the people are of the true religion of the Lord of the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Sabah, chapter 34, verse 22 and 23, قُلُوا مِن دُونِ He said, say, call upon those whom you claim whom you claim to be gods that have a right to be worshipped or partners with Allah. Call on them whom you claim other than Allah. Call on those. لا يملكون مثقال ذرة في السماوات ولا في الأرض. They don't possess even the weight of a small ant. They don't possess or control anything in the heavens or in the earth. وما لهم فيهما من شرك. And they don't have in the heavens and the earth even a share of anything in it. They don't even share in anything from it. وَمَا لَهُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ ظَهِيرٌ Nor does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take anyone from amongst them as a helper. Allah is without need of them. وَلَا تَنْفَعُوا الشَّفَاعَةُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ And الشَّفَاعَ interceding between or interceding for anyone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on يَوْمُ Qiyamah. That it will not benefit anyone in front of Allah except the one to whom Allah gives permission to do so. Any intercession, it is on Yawm Qiyamah. But it, the intercession that is allowed and that is accepted on Yawm Qiyamah is only for the one whom Allah gives permission to. Also he said, uh, in Surah Al-Isra, chapter 17, verse 56 and 57. <coughs> قُلْ عَدْعُوا الَّذِينَ زَعَمْتُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ فَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ كَشْفَ الدُّرِّ عَنْكُمْ وَلَا تَحْوِيلًا Call on those whom you claim have a right to be worshipped besides Allah. They don't have the ability even to remove any harm from you, nor to transfer it from you to anyone or anything else. أُولَئِكَ الَّذِينَ يَدَعُونَ يَبْتَغُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمَ الْوَسِيلَةِ أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبُ وَيَرْجُونَ رَحْمَتَهُ وَيَخَافُونَ عَذَابَهُ إِنَّ عَذَابَ رَبِّكَ كَانَ مَحْذُورًا That these whom they are calling upon besides Allah, who they take as partners with Allah, whether from amongst the prophets or the angels or the so-called righteous or saints, who they take as false gods besides Allah, he said they themselves are seeking Al-Wasila, a means of nearness to their Lord. The prophets whom they worship as God besides Allah, Isa salam and Uzair salam and the angels who they are worshipping instead of Allah, they themselves are seeking Al-Wasila, the means of nearness to Allah. Which of them will be closer? And they are hoping for His Rahmah, His mercy, and they are fearing His punishment. Verily the punishment of your Lord is something to be feared something that one should be afraid of. Also he said in Surah Al-Hud, chapter 11, verse 106 and 107, 
ولا تدعو من دون الله ما لا ينفعك ولا يضرك don't call upon or supplicate from other than Allah from anyone anything other than Allah the one that doesn't have any ability to benefit you nor to harm you whoever cannot benefit and whoever cannot harm whatever cannot benefit and cannot harm then there's no need in calling on them they cannot do anything it is only Allah who can benefit and it is only Allah who can harm uh, also he has said in Surah Al-Zumr chapter 39 verse 38 وَلَئِنْ سَعَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ that if you were to ask them who it is that has created the heavens and the earth they would definitely say it is Allah they acknowledge that Allah is the only creator and then after that they give the worship that belongs to him alone to those who create nothing and who cannot create anything and who has no ability to benefit or to harm then he said قُلْ أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا تَدَعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ look and consider those whom you are calling upon besides of Allah besides Allah instead of Allah إِنْ أَرَادَنِيَ اللَّهُ بِدُرٍ هَلْ هُنَّ كَاشِفَاتُ Yani if Allah wanted to cause some harm to me, do they have the ability to remove that harm? If Allah wants, wants to give me His mercy, can they hold back Allah's mercy? Say indeed, Allah is sufficient. And it is Allah alone upon whom those who trust the true believers it is upon Allah alone that they put their trust the number of evidences in the Quran which indicate the obligation of singling out all worship for Allah alone and the prohibition of taking intermediaries between him and his creation are too many to mention are too many to mention however these are sufficient to make it clear that there is no need to place anyone in between oneself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to act for one's needs. It is Allah alone who can grant benefit and Allah alone who can cause harm. The great scholar Ibn Hajr, Ibn Tami, rahimahullah, he said, there is no need for a medium or a link between the creator and the creation. There is no need for any link or medium between al-khaliq and al-makhluq except in delivering the divine laws except in delivering the sharia the shari'a of Allah that Allah has legislated for the people to live by and this is the sole occupation of the prophets and messengers and no one is entitled to do so no one has this responsibility except the rusul and the anbiya what need he said could there be for such a medium or intermediary while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ and we are nearer to him than the juggler vein. Yani meaning by knowledge, according to some of the scholars and according to the other scholars, the correct opinion or the primary meaning of this ayat is that the angels who record that they are nearer to the person physically and if we said it is in reference to Allah, then the meaning is that Allah is near by his knowledge, near by his power. As for there being any medium between Allah and his creatures, for removing harm or achieving benefit, such a concept is the belief of the mushrikeen, the pagans. 
How could there be any medium or link between the people and their Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? While Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah Ghafir, chapter 40, verse 60, Ud'uni astajib lakum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us, Ud'uni, call on me, call on me, supplicate to me, astajib lakum, and I will answer you. Inna al-ladheena yastakbiruna an ibadati sayadkhuluna jahannama dakhirin. And verily those who are too proud to worship me, yani to worship Allah alone, to call on Allah alone, and to believe in Allah alone, they shall surely enter the hell in humiliation. Yani supplication is for Allah alone. No one should call on other than Allah, while Allah has ordered us to call on Him, and He has promised that He Himself will answer those who call on Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has not ordered us to call on the awliya, or to call on the anbiya, or to call on those who are the so-called beloved of Allah, the righteous from amongst His servants. On the contrary, He has ordered us, call on me, and He call on Him alone, and He is the one that will answer. If we were to carefully examine the verses of the Qur'an, which contain a question and answer format, we will find that the people used to ask the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about many matters. And as a result of that, revelation came from the heavens. It would come to him in response to those questions. And he would deliver to the people the rulings, the ahkam, the hukum that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala wanted for that matter. There are many examples of this. From amongst them is the response of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the people ask the Prophet and it is reported in the Quran they ask about the spoils of war and how should it be distributed what is the matter with the spoils of war and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet that the spoils of war it is for Allah and His Messenger to decide how it should be distributed and what will be done with it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed the Prophet in this ayat what to say to the people. He has made him the intermediary for delivering the hukum, the ruling in this matter. And this is in Surah Al-Anfal, chapter 8, verse 1. Likewise in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 219. يَسْأَلُونَكَ here in this ayat, the people ask about al-khamr and al-maysir, about intoxicants and about gambling. And again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He ordered the Prophet to deliver to them the ruling. What is the hukm concerning this matter? He is the wafita, the medium between Allah and the people for delivering the sharia of Allah and the rulings in these matters. He said to him, say that in these two things are a great sin and some benefit for the people, but the sin of them is greater than their benefit. Yani what the people consider to be as benefit in gambling and alcohol, what they consider to be as benefit in selling alcohol or in the gains that they get from gambling, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, but the sin of those things is greater than the benefit. In another place in the Quran, in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 220, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنَ الْيَتَامَى And they ask you about the orphans. قُلْ إِسْلَاحٌ لَهُمْ خَيْرٌ That 
يعني handling their affair and their wealth and their property in a best way that is in their interest that this is better also in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 222 يسألونك عن they ask you about menstruation قل هو أذى فاعتزلوا النساء في المحيد Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again ordered the Prophet وسلم, what to say to them what is his ruling concerning this matter he said say that it is something which is harmful and it is harmful to the man to have relations with his wife in that situation therefore avoid the women while they are in menses these ayats and many other ayats like this show that it is the role of the prophets and the messengers to deliver the Sharia, the law of Allah, to deliver the ahkam, the rulings concerning matters about which the people need to know. However, when we look at the ayat concerning a dua, we see that the question came to the Prophet. The people said, Ya Rasulullah, Aqaribun Rabbuna Fanunajihi, Ambaidun Fanunabihi. They said, Is our Lord near so that we should call to him in a low tone or is he far so that we should call out to him and raise our voices here in this case Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not ordered the Prophet sallallahu to say this or to say that but Allah has answered directly himself and if my servants ask you meaning the Prophet sallallahu if they ask you about me فَإِنِّي قريب. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't say, say to them such and such and so and so, but He said, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ That Allah is near by His knowledge and His power. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُ بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ He said, I answer the supplication of the one who calls on me when he calls. Then they must, يَسْتَجِيبُ لِي فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي Then they must answer me. They must obey me and that which I have ordered them with or prohibited them from. And they must believe in me, and perhaps they will be led aright. In this ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear that in such matters as calling on Allah, there is no medium between the human being and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but one must call on Allah directly, and Allah answers Himself directly. There is no intermediary in this matter. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that if you call on me, then I will answer. Allah promised that He will answer with two conditions. That you must answer me. And you must obey that which I have ordered you with. And you must believe in me. A person must have iman. And they must obey Allah's commands. And they must avoid his prohibitions. And in that case, whoever calls on Allah directly, they are promised the answer from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the scholars said that this verse indicates the fact that a dua supplication has no need of the medium or link of the messenger of Allah since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ He said, I am near. And he hears the supplication of his servant. And he himself responds to it. How then could there be a need for a medium other than or whoever is less than the messenger of Allah If there is no need that the Prophet of Allah should be a medium between the servants of Allah and his Lord and the, the, the Creator. If there is no need that the Prophet ﷺ should be an intermediary, then how is there a need for anyone other than him? And everyone other than him is less than him. It is also reported in the hadith, in the authentic hadith of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, reported by At-Tirmidhi, 
and it was declared to be Hassan by Shaykh al-Albani and al-Sahiha and others. In that hadith, it is reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, he said, من لم يسأل من لم يسأل الله يغضب عليه The Prophet وسلم, he informed us that whoever does not ask for his needs from Allah directly then Allah will be angry with him من لم يسأل الله and whoever acts other than Allah يغضب عليه Allah will be angry with him In another hadith also reported in At-Tirmidhi and that hadith is Hassan Lighayrihi as declared by Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Arnaut in Jamiyat al-Usul and Shaykh al-Bani made a similar ruling in al-Sahiha in that hadith it is reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Udu'ullah fa'antum muqinuna bil-ijaba this command Udu'ullah you must ask Allah وَأَنْتُمْ مُوْقِنُونَ بِالْإِجَابَةِ While being certain of the response. Yani one must ask Allah and Allah alone. And one must be certain and feel confident that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will indeed answer. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has ordered us to ask our needs of Allah. But he never ordered us to call on the Prophets in order for them to ask Allah on our behalf for our needs. Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani rahimahullah mentions the following during his discussion of the authenticity of the first hadith mentioned above yani the one that whoever doesn't ask Allah that Allah will be angry with him during his discussion of the grading of that hadith the Shaykh rahimahullah said some of the ignorant ones of the Sufis have overlooked these hadith yani the hadith ordering us to call on Allah and not to call on other than Allah they have ignored these hadith claiming that supplicating or asking Allah directly without an intercessor or an intermediary is a type of improper behavior with Allah. They have suggested that whoever calls on Allah directly, it shows that they don't have manners. They don't have proper behavior with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh said they have been influenced concerning this matter by the false Jewish tradition in which it is reported from them. They said, عِلْمُهُ بِحَالِ يُغْنِينِ عَنْ سُؤَالِهِ عِلْمُهُ بِحَالِ Yani the knowledge, Allah's knowledge of my condition. Allah knows what my condition is, and He knows what my needs are. عِلْمُهُ بِحَالِ يُغْنِينِ عَنْ سُؤَالِهِ It makes me free of need of asking Him. As long as He knows what I need, there's no need for me to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was... Uh, uh, understanding of the ignorance from amongst the Sufis who claim that you don't need to call on Allah or if you do you shouldn't call on Allah directly because it is improper behavior the Shaykh said hence they became ignorant of the fact that supplication of the servant to his Lord the Most High is not meant to inform him it's not meant to inform Allah the one who is free of all imperfections of one's need of him. Surely he is the knower of the secret and the hidden. But indeed it is meant to be an expression or a manifestation of the servant's worship of Allah and the need of him. And in supplicating Allah 
it is not as they claim that if you are supplicating him it means that he doesn't know that you need what you need it is not meant to inform Allah who knows everything but it is meant to be an expression or a manifestation of one's worship of Allah and an expression of one's condition of being in need of Allah as for the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah al-maidah chapter 5 verse 35 ya ayyuhalladhina amanu اتقوا الله وابتغوا إليه الوسيلة وجاهدوا في سبيله لعلكم تفلحون Oh you who believe اتقوا الله Fear Allah Keep your duty to Allah Be obedient to Allah and avoid that which he has prohibited Have taqwa of Allah وابتغوا إليه الوسيلة And seek a means of nearness to Allah الوسيلة and here in this ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered the believers to have taqwa and he has ordered them to seek a means of nearness to him and then he has ordered to make jihad in his way perhaps he will be successful the response to this and that is responding to the understanding of those who have deviated concerning calling on Allah alone and they have claimed that in this ayat you are ordered to seek a means of nearness to Allah through those who are near to Him through the saints and the righteous and the prophets they claim that seeking nearness al-wasila seeking al-wasila to get near to Allah it means going to those who are nearer to Him than you are the righteous and the prophets and the angels the Shaykh Ibn Hajjab al-Tami rahimahullah he says that verily the means of approach or nearness al-wasila here it means trying to get near to Allah by doing righteous deeds or it means trying to get near to Allah through his names and his characteristics by calling on Allah by his asma and his sifat as we have clarified in the chapter entitled al-tawassul al-mashru' the legally approved method of al-tawassul yani the Shaykh has discussed it discuss this topic in detail what are the uh, the means of tawassul al-mashru' the legally means of getting near to Allah and what are those means which are not legislated yani the bid'ah or innovated or illegal or forbidden ways of tawassul getting near to Allah he said its meaning is not as the people of innovation try to say the taking of the prophets and righteous people as intercessors and intermediaries they then claim that this is of the means of getting near to Allah which we have been ordered to use in this ayat explaining the verse in this distorted way some of them claim that al-shafa'ah intercession is something affirmed for the messenger of Allah وسلم, and we ask him to intercede with Allah for our needs because Allah granted him the favor of intercession indeed intercession that has been confirmed or affirmed for the Prophet ﷺ it is intercession on Yawm Qiyamah that Allah would allow some of his servants to intercede for others with the conditions that are mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah as explained by the scholars but they claim that this intercession, this shafa'ah that is affirmed for the Prophet ﷺ it is that they can intercede with Allah now in this world that they can ask the Prophet ﷺ to ask for their needs whatever they are in need of or to protect them from harm and, and the Prophet ﷺ would intercede with Allah however if we consider what has been mentioned previously of the ayat and hadith 
along with the response of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when it was said to him, "Ma sha Allah wa shi'ta," and it is as Allah has willed and as you have willed. When this was said to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, joining the will of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with the will of Allah on an equal basis, "Ma sha Allah wa shi'ta," it is as Allah wills and as you will. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam rejected such, and he said, "Ajaltani lillahi niddan wa adlan, qul ma sha Allah wahda." Have you made me as an equal with Allah? He said, "Instead, what you should say is say ma sha Allah wahda, that it is as Allah alone willed." In this hadith, has been recorded in the Muslim of Imam Ahmed and other collections. The reason why the Prophet ﷺ rejected this statement that it is as Allah wills and as you will, it is because the Arabic particle wow, which means n in the above statement, it is as Allah and you have willed, implies equality between Allah and the Prophet ﷺ. However, we know well that Allah subhanahu wa taala is alone in His divinity. Therefore, requiring of necessity that he be alone in his right to be worshipped. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is not to be made equal with anyone or anything in His creation, especially in the matter of granting benefit or repulsing harm. It is only Allah who can grant benefit alone, and it is only Allah who can cause harm. It has been reported in the great hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas. That has been reported in the Sunan of the Tirmidhi that Abdul ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu ma may Allah be pleased with him and his father. He said that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Ihfazillah yahfazuk." Yani be mindful of your duties to Allah. Protect the duties or guard those duties that Allah has made upon you, and Allah will protect you. Ihfazillah tajidhu tujahak. Yani if you Preserve Allah. Preserve the duties that Allah has made upon you. You will find Allah in front of you. And then he said, and this is the any shahid or the important point of this hadith. He said, إِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ That if, if you ask, whenever you ask, فَاسْأَلِ Then you must only ask Allah. وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ And if you seek help in any matter, then you must seek help only from Allah. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ That if the whole of the Ummah, the whole of the nation were to gather together to grant you some benefit, then they would never treat you with anything except that which Allah has already written for you, what Allah has already decreed for you. Nobody can give any benefit, even if the whole of the people, the whole of humanity, were to want or desire or attempt to benefit you, no one can benefit you with anything except what Allah has already decreed for you. وَإِنِ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَدُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَدُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلِيكَ And if the whole of the humanity were to gather together to cause you any harm whatsoever, they would never be able to harm you except with that which Allah has already decreed for you. رُفِيَةِ الْأَقْلَامِ وَجَفَّتِ الصُّخُفِ That the pens have been raised and the pages have dried, meaning that which Allah has decreed 
it is already fixed and it is established and nothing will be changed. No benefit will come except that which Allah has already decreed according to His will and His wisdom and no harm will come except that which Allah has already decreed according to His will and His wisdom. Here is an important comment from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah in which he said even though the believer knows that Allah is the Lord and the master of everything he does not deny the fact that Allah has created al-asbab al-asbab the reasons or the causes or the means of achieving something Allah is the one who has control over everything however that doesn't negate the reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made some things as a means or a cause to achieve something in this world whether it is the gain of some benefit or the prevention of some, of some harm he said just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the rain a cause and a means by which vegetation or plant life is brought forth from the earth similarly Allah has made a shafa'a and a dua a cause or a means for that which he brings about through them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 164 and the rain which Allah has sent down from the sky and through it he has brought life to the earth after its death it is through the rain by means of the rain he has brought life to the earth after its death this is the proof that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has legislated in the natural laws of the creation the, the qawniya he has made it as a means that the rain will bring vegetation and plant life from the earth after there was no life in the same way Allah has made a dua supplication and shafa intercession as a cause or a means for that which he brings about through them an example of this is the prayer of the Muslims over the dead body of another Muslim Salat al-Janazah this prayer is one of the asbab it is one of the means, it is a sabab, a cause or a reason due to which Allah grants his mercy to that dead person and he grants reward to those who perform that prayer. It is a means to achieve reward for the one who prays for their dead brother or sister and it is a means to achieve the rahmah, the mercy of Allah for that dead person, Salat al-Janazah. Allah has legislated it in the legal laws, as shariah However, Shaykh al-Sam says in spite of this that there are means, indeed there are means that through which one may achieve things however it is incumbent that three principles be known concerning al-asbab three principles these principles are important to keep in mind because the absence of the knowledge the lack of knowledge of these principles it is what has led the people who have deviated from amongst the Muslim ummah to fall into shirk taking means that Allah has not legislated and using them for something that Allah has not legislated and they have then fallen into that which Allah has prohibited and the worst of it is a shirk the first of those principles he said is that no particular cause or reason will independently bring about the desired result no particular sabab from amongst the asbab that Allah has legislated will independently bring about the desired result but there must be other causes working together with it additionally yani it's not sufficient that a person prays but there have to be other considerations that person who is praying should be a believer who believes in Allah and so on additionally there are mawani' prohibitive factors which can prevent 
the achievement of the desired thing even while the causes or, re or reasons are present. Even if the causes for that thing that have been legislated are present, if there are mawani are prohibiting it, then likewise that thing will not be achieved. Consequently, if Allah does not bring together all the necessary related causes, all of the asbab related to a particular matter, and if Allah doesn't also remove the prohibitive factors, al-mawaniya, the desired result can never be achieved. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will shall be, even if an-nadharu bi shay'in lam yakun qad qaddartuhu lahu aw qaddartuhu Yani that nothing will come to a human being from the nazar, from his vow, لم يكن قد قدرته, except that Allah has already decreed it. What, will, what comes to him, if any good comes to him, or any harm is prevented, then it is only what Allah has already decreed. And he said in that hadith, وَلَكِنْ يُلْقِيهِ الْقَدْرُ وَقَدْ قَدَّرْتُهُ لَهُ أَسْتَخْرِجُ بِهِ مِنَ الْبَخِيرِ And he said that vowing does not bring something, anything to the human being that I have not already preordained. قَدْ قَدَّرْتُهُ But the qadr or but the vowing, that which has been pre-decreed reaches him. يعني it is that the qadr, it comes to him as a result of his uh, or the qadr, it reaches him. What Allah has already decreed, it reaches him not due to the Never, but it is due to the fact that Allah has already decreed it and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes the vow to be a means to, uh, for the, the uh, miser to spend from his wealth. These hadith and similar hadith make it clear that there is no benefit from the vow itself. Nothing will happen except what has already been decreed. If some harm is prevented, or some good is achieved, it is as Allah has already decreed. Miserly people do not spend willingly or without compensation in this life. So by means of vows, they have to spend their money. When their worldly wishes are fulfilled, little do they know that whatever they hoped to achieve by the vow is not going to happen unless it coincides with what was already decreed for them by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah decreed that they make the vow in order to force them to spend of their wealth. However, and there is a lengthy discussion concerning this topic by Al-Hafiz bin Hajar Asqalani and the explanation of Bukhari and Fatul Bari. Finally, he said that it is better to avoid making vows. Instead, one should simply do whatever good deeds one wants to do. Should simply do it without making conditions with Allah. Without making a condition that if I get this, then I'll fast. Or I'll give charity or I'll do whatever. But one should simply do the good deeds that you have in your mind and your heart to do without making conditions with Allah for something in exchange for the vow to fast or to give charity. Indeed, the conditions that you make do not benefit. But whatever will come to you is what Allah has already decreed. Whoever makes a vow to do some act of worship voluntarily becomes obligated to then fulfill one's vow. And it is better that one not make vows. But if one makes the vow, to do something which is a voluntary act, it becomes obligatory. And whoever vows to do something forbidden by Allah, uh, then they must not fulfill the vow, but they must make an expiation for that vow. This discussion is found in Fatul Bari in chapter, uh, volume 11, page 584, and also in volume 11, page 508. The, the, this is the second condition that, uh, or the second point that 
Shaykh al-Sahim said that one should not consider or believe anything to be a sabab or a cause unless it is based on knowledge. Unless it is based on knowledge. Otherwise, whoever takes something as a cause that is not based on the knowledge of Quran and Sunnah, then indeed they would have gone astray. The third uh, point that he mentioned is that it is not permissible for any religious act to be taken as a suburb, as a means or a cause or a reason to achieve something, except that it has been legislated in the Quran and the Sunnah for that particular purpose. And even an act of ibadah, we cannot take it to be a cause or a means to achieve something unless that thing that we are using it for has been legislated for that purpose. And we should do an act of ibadah as a means to achieve something that that act of ibadah has been legislated for and not for other than that. Verily all the acts of, of worship are based upon a tawqif, proof from the Qur'an and Sunnah. Hence it is not permissible for someone to associate something as an equal with Allah and then supplicate something other than Allah even though he may think that it is a sabab to achieve some of his objectives. For this reason Allah cannot be worshipped through acts of innovation which are in contradiction to the Islamic laws even though one may think it permissible. Many of the acts of bid'ah that the people are performing as acts of worship hoping to achieve some reward from Allah Many of them, the people actually believe that things, these things are permissible and that they will bring some good. And they sometimes find something coming to them of good, of what they hoped for. And therefore their, their belief that this is a legislated, praiseworthy act is confirmed. However, sometimes the shayateen will help someone to achieve some of their objectives on the condition that that person does an act of shirk in return. And if sometimes the shayateen from amongst the jinn, will help a person, will assist a human being to achieve some objective that they have in this world, but only in exchange for them doing some act of shirk or some act of disobedience to Allah. Sometimes a person's goals will be achieved through acts of disbelief or sinfulness or disobedience, but this is not lawful. The reason for this being unlawful is that the harm which is resultant through the use of these means which are not legislated which are not according to the Sharia, which are innovated. The harm that is the result is far greater than the benefit achieved in this way. Sometimes the people went to the grave and they supplicated to the one in the grave and the thing that they supplicated came to them. Then they believe that they have achieved it through supplicating one who is dead in the grave. When the one in the grave cannot help itself, let alone anyone else. However, sometimes Allah allowed this to happen. He allowed it to happen as a punishment for those who deviated and refused to obey his law. When he has prohibited such, if they engaged in it, then he let them go further astray by something coming to them of what they hoped for through the help of jinns or otherwise, and then they believe that what they have done is good and that it is beneficial when in fact it is shirk and it is kufr and it takes them further and further astray. The Prophet ﷺ was mission to bring about the beneficial things as well as to perfect the beneficial things and to neutralize the evil and corruption and to reduce them. Yani to bring about good and to perfect the good and to eliminate evil or at least to reduce it. This is the mission of the Prophet ﷺ. Therefore, and this is a pie the, the Shaykh al-Islam in Taymiyyah has mentioned which is of importance. Therefore, whatever Allah has commanded, its benefit is greater than any harm which might 
result from it. Whatever Allah has commanded. He said, فَمَا أَمَرَ اللَّهِ بِهِ فَمَصْلَحَتُهُ رَاجِحَةٌ Whatever Allah has commanded us to do, then the benefit from that thing, even if harm came from it, the benefit is greater than any harm that might come from it. وَمَا نَهَا عَنْهُ فَمَفْسَدَتُهُ رَاجِحَةٌ And whatever Allah has prohibited, it's evil, it's mafsada, is greater than any benefit which would come from it. So even if somebody does something which Allah has prohibited, and some benefit comes from it, in, indeed the harm that comes from it will be greater than the benefit. If they achieve some worldly thing and they ended up in the hellfire for shirk or kufr or disobedience to Allah, indeed the benefit is less than the evil that comes from engaging in that which Allah has prohibited. The last point that we want to discuss is al-shafa'a and that which is legal from it and legislated and that which is not. The pagan disbelievers in the past and present have only fallen into major shirk due to their attachment, as the author says, to aziyal al-shafa'a, yani the end, the lowest part, the least part of al-shafa'a, yani that aspect of al-shafa'a that is of no benefit at all. Aziyal al-shafa'a, it means that part of it that is the end of it. That part of which there is no benefit, it means the shafa'a that is not legislated, that will not bring any benefit. It is only because they have engaged in this, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Qur'an. However, the intercession, which they have taken hold of, which the pagan disbelievers think will help them, it is the very thing which will be turned down on the day of resurrection. It will be the cause of their destruction. The Qur'an has rejected and declared invalid this type of intercession in a number of places. Al-Shafa'a al-Manfiya. It means the Shafa'a which they seek from other than Allah. That Shafa'a is rejected. It is batil. It is unacceptable. It is negated. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 254 Ya ladina amanu anfiqu mimma razaqanakum min qabli an ya'tiya yawmun la bay'un fihi wa la khullatun wa la shafa'atun that, O oh, you who believe, spend of that which we have provided for you before a day comes when there will be no bay'un, la bay'un fi. There will be no bargaining. No one will be able to bargain on that day, on day of resurrection. Wala khullatun, and no friendship will benefit you on that day. Wala shafa'atun, and no intercession. Here Allah negates intercession. On that day He said there will be no intercession. And it is the disbelievers who are the zalimun, the wrongdoers the mushrikun. And if that shafa'a which is negated here, it is the shafa'a or intercession on Yawm Qiyamah that is sought from other than Allah. Again Allah says in the Quran, in the 6th chapter, 51st verse, وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ And warned by it, by the Quran. وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ أَيْ يُحْشَرُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ Warn those who fear that they will be gathered in the presence of their Lord, meaning on Yawm Qiyamah. لَيْسَ لَهُمْ مِن دُونِهِ and there will be no one other than Allah who will be a wali, a helper, nor a shafi, nor an, an intercessor. And here again Allah negates intercession, that there is no shafi'ah on that day. And again that intercession is the one that Allah has and he prohibited. It is the intercession of those who seek intercession from other than Allah or for those who Allah is not pleased with from amongst the mushrikeen. The intercession which is declared here to be invalid is the type of intercession which is sought from other than Allah. Since Allah did affirm the legitimacy of intercession in a number of places in the Quran. Al-Shafa'a al-Muthbita. Al-Shafa'a al-Muthbita, the Shafa'a that is confirmed, al-Mashru'a, that is legislated, 
It is confirmed in other places in the Quran and that is the shafa'ah that is sought from Allah and by the permission of Allah and with the pleasure of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 255 مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي who is it that can intercede with him except by his permission? Here Allah confirms intercession, but by his permission, bi'idhnihi. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Al-Anbiya chapter 21 verse 28, That Allah, he is the one who knows what is before them and what is behind them. And they cannot intercede for anyone except for him with whom he is pleased, except for the one with whom Allah is pleased. That means the people of Tawheed. But whoever has died on shirk, then Allah is not pleased with them, and they will never be interceded for. That means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission has to be given, and Allah has to be pleased with those, with the one whom it is sought to intercede for. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the Quran, in chapter 39, verse 44, قُلْ الشَّفَاعَةُ جَمِيعًا لَهُ مُلْقُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ Say, to Allah belongs all intercession. Yani there is no intercession except that which is with Allah. He is the one who has authority over it. His is the sovereignty of the heavens and the earth. Then to him you shall be brought back. And the last ayat, it is chapter 53 verse 26, the saying of Allah, وَكَمْ مِنْ مَلَكٍ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ How many? Are the angels in the heavens La Tughni Shafa'atuhum Shay'a? The intercession avails nothing, it is of no benefit. Illa min ba'di ayyazana Yani except after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives permission. Illa min ba'di ayyazana Allahu Liman Sha'a wa Yarda. Yani the even the intercession of the angels who are near to Allah, it is of no benefit whatsoever except after the permission of Allah and for those whom Allah wills and for those whom Allah is pleased with. Therefore, there is no intercession even on Yawm Qiyamah except the intercession that is confirmed, that is legislated. It is the intercession of the one who, inter- who, who seeks intercession from Allah and by the permission of Allah and by the pleasure of Allah. Yani that Allah will only allow one to be interceded for if he is pleased with them. He is pleased with their speech and their actions. That is, the people of Tawheed. It can be determined from the above that intercession is of two types. Negated or invalid intercession. Shafa'a manfiya. Shafa'a manfiya. The type that is sought from other than Allah. And the other type is the confirmed or legitimate intercession. Shafa'a al-muthbita. The one that is confirmed. That type which is sought from Allah and which is reserved exclusively for Ahl al-Tawheed wal-Ikhlas. And the people of Tawheed and sincerity who worship Allah alone. This type of intercession is further restricted by two important factors. The first of them, and in the intercession uh, from Allah for the people of Tawheed, it also has two conditions. The first of them is that the one who seeks to intercede for someone else, a shafi'u, must have permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is based on the saying of Allah, مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ إِنَّهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِي Who is it that can intercede with him except by his permission? Meaning there is no one that can inter with Allah except by his permission. Therefore the Shafi'u, the one who is interceding, must uh, have permission from Allah. The second condition is the one for whom the intercession is being sought, Al-Mashfu'u an Allahu, the one who intercession is sought to be done for, must be one with whom Allah is pleased 
And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لا يشفعون إلا لمن الصبع يعني that they, they will, they will, لا يشفعون إلا they will not be able to intercede except for the one with whom Allah is pleased with them, with their actions and their speech. Yani the people who have died on Tawheed, even if they have committed sins. As for the pagan disbelievers, their deeds are like scattered dust particles. And there will be no intercession for them. Thereby being given a treatment quite opposite of what they expected. And this is based on the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Mudakhir, chapter 74, verse 48. فَمَا تَنْفَعُهُمْ شَفَاعَةُ الشَّافِعِينَ <coughs> that the intercession of the intercessors will not benefit them, meaning the mushrikeen, the pagan disbelievers. Inshallah, we'll stop for the adhan and after the adhan take the questions from the handouts and any questions or comments from the brothers or sisters. Inshallah, if we can look at the questions at the handout, at the end of the handout first, and then take any questions that the brothers or sisters ask. The first question define and discuss briefly the second naqid or nullifier of Islam. And in the second nullifier, the second naqid that we have mentioned, it is a shafa'a intercession or tawassut, make, taking intermediaries. It is making or placing between oneself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an intermediary or an intercessor or a medium that will intercede for you with Allah. Supplicating them or asking for one's needs or other acts of worship, relying on them or depending on them which belongs to Allah alone. Whoever places someone between themselves between themselves and Allah, then this is the shafa'a in this world. Yani it is tawassut, taking wasa'it making someone between oneself and Allah that is rejected. What is the argument of the grave worshippers for not calling on Allah directly? And what is the argument that they call on the so-called awliya who are buried and dead in the grave? 
the argument is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has more right that we should not go directly to him that Allah is of high status like the kings or the rulers and they have they have a secretary or a minister or someone you have to go between therefore they said that Allah is greater than them so Allah has more right that he should have someone that we go through to him and the scholars of the people of Sunnah said that this is a great evil that they make a comparison between Allah the creator who is perfect and without need of anything or anyone and the created beings who are imperfect and who are needy discuss the one situation where Allah has legislated a wasita, a medium between himself and the creatures now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated as a wasita the prophets and messengers to deliver the revelation to deliver the sharia, the law that he has given for the people to deliver the rulings of what they need to know in this world in this, in this situation alone the wasita or medium is allowed and it is only for the prophets they are the ones who deliver the law they are the medium between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the creator and his creatures for delivering his laws number four mention the two conditions for the response of Allah to the one who calls on him mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 186 that I respond to the supplicant, supplication of the supplicant when he calls on me now let you should, that one should be obedient to Allah. You should answer Allah's call. Al-Yastajibu li. You should answer Allah's call to obey Him and what He has ordered and to avoid what He has prohibited. Wal yu'minu bi and also to believe in Allah. Having Iman and obedience of Allah. Discuss the saying, His, Allah's knowledge of my condition, of my needs, makes me free of need of asking Him. And if this was the saying, that was falsely uh, spread or narrated by the Jews and it was that saying which influenced the Sufis from amongst the Muslim Ummah to take the position that they don't need to call on Allah because as long as Allah knows one's condition and one's need then one is free of need of asking him while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us in the Quran to call on him and the Prophet said that whoever doesn't call on Allah, whoever does not call on Allah, then Allah will be angry with them. Uh, number six, discuss the verse, seek a wasila, a means of approach to him. Yani the wasila in this verse has been interpreted by those who deviated that seeking the means of getting near to Allah, it means seeking, getting near to Allah through those who are near to him, whether from amongst the prophets, or the angels, or the saints as they claim, or whatever. And the correct interpretation of al-wasila here, it means seeking to get near to Allah through acts of obedience, through the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Number seven, dua is one of the asbab, the causes or means to bring about good or repulse harm. Just as rain is a sabab, a cause or a means for bringing life from the earth after its death. Explain this statement. And how is dua a sabab, just as rain is a sabab? The dua is a sabab to bring about uh, what one desires in the same way that rain brings, up, brings life from the earth after its death. In that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the universal laws, al-ahkam, al-kawniyah, 
Allah has legislated, Allah has made it, He has fixed it, that the rain will be a cause or a means to bring the vegetation or crops from the earth. And in the same way, in Al-Ahkam al-Shara'iyya, in the legal legislative laws, Allah has legislated and He has fixed it, that dua is a means to get one's needs answered or to repulse one's harm. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has made these laws. He, has, he is the one who makes it as a cause or a reason, otherwise it will not be accepted. Number eight mentions the three principles explained by Shaykh Hussain ibn Taymiyyah concerning al-asbab. The first of those principles, it is that no single means, sabab, independently will be sufficient to achieve one's objective. But there should be other means. The other means that Allah has legislated, they all have to be collected and they have to be fulfilled and performed before one's uh, objective would be achieved. And likewise, there are also mawania or prohibitive factors that have to be absent. Otherwise, even if the means are present, if the prohibitive factor is also present, then it will prevent the achievement of one's goal. So Allah has made prohibitive factors and He has also made asbab or means. The means have to be present and the mawania, prohibitive factors, have to be absent in order to achieve one's means. The second of those principles is that no one should believe no one should take some, something as a suburb, as a cause or a reason, except based on knowledge. We should not imagine that anything that we say or do will bring about a good benefit unless it is based on knowledge, unless it is based on the knowledge from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Whoever uh, takes something as a means without knowledge, or that which is contrary to the Sharia, then it will be yani, invalid, it will be useless. And the third principle that he mentioned it is that no act of worship that has been legislated in the Quran and the Sunnah, no act of worship should be used as a means to achieve an objective unless that act of worship has been specified in the Sharia as a means for that particular objective. And we shouldn't use that which Allah has legislated for one thing for something else, but we should use it in the way that it has been legislated. Acts of worship should be used in the way that Allah has legislated in order for them to be effective in bringing about any, any benefit or preventing any harm. Number nine explains the qa'idah given by Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah whatever Allah has commanded its benefit is greater and whatever Allah has prohibited its evil is greater. Yani whatever Allah has commanded its benefit is greater than any harm that might also result from it. If some harm came from it know indeed that the benefit is greater. If some harm came to one in this world by worshipping Allah and obeying His law, you lost your job or you lost your wealth or something, whatever happened to you, know indeed that the benefit will be greater because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will recompense you either in this world or in the next life. Whatever Allah has ordered, the benefit that comes from it will always be greater even if some harm comes from it. And whatever Allah has prohibited, then the harm will be greater even if some benefit comes from it. Whatever benefit that we get in this world from engaging in that which Allah has prohibited, whoever engages in riba, or who works in a bank, or who does those things that Allah has prohibited, getting some benefit in this world, know that the harm that will come will indeed be greater. And this is a great qaida or principle that needs to be understood and implemented in our lives. The last question discussed the two types of shafa'a intercession related to Yawm Qiyamah. There are shafa'a Al-Muthbita, the Shafa'a which is confirmed, and Al-Shafa'a Al-Manfiya, the Shafa'a which is negated. And the negated 
shafa'a, the negated information, it is that uh, intercession, it is that intercession which is sought from other than Allah. Whoever seeks uh, as an intercess, whoever seeks to intercession from other than Allah, then Allah will never accept it and they will not get any benefit from it. And the intercession that is confirmed, it is the intercession that is sought from Allah by the people of Tawheed. And here the scholars have mentioned two conditions for this intercession to be successful or effective. And the first of them, it should be by permission from Allah. And the second of them is that the one who is sought to be interceded for, and the one who the intercession is sought for, should be of those whom Allah is pleased with. Meaning that they should be of the people of Tawheed even if they were sinners. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, shadun la ilaha illa anta staghfaruka wa tubu ilayk. There's about six or seven minutes remaining past. We can take four minutes or so for questions or comments or any corrections. Now. If somebody goes to a pious person, according to their estimation, who they consider to be pious, and Allah knows best, the people that they go to, whether they are pious. Most of the people that they are going to are, are not pious people. They are not abiding by the Sharia and they are not living according to the Sunnah and their Aqeedah is not correct Aqeedah. But even if, for the sake of argument, the person is a pious person, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not legislated that you should go to some pious person in order for that one to intercede with Allah for you. But the, what is allowed, what is allowed in the Sharia the tawassul that is allowed in terms of people between human beings, it is going to a pious person who is really following the sunnah and asking that person to supplicate to Allah, a living person to supplicate to Allah. It is permissible because they used to go to the Prophet ﷺ and ask him to supplicate to Allah. And after his death, ﷺ, they used to go to his uncle Al-Abbas and ask him to supplicate to Allah. Therefore, of the permissible types of tawassul, it is to seek the righteous person who is in accordance with the Sharia to supplicate to Allah. But that person, it is not considered that that person has a means to Allah. It is only by supplication, the supplication that is legislated in Islam. As for thinking that going to some pious person, that they have some a guarantee of getting near to Allah, there is no such thing. Allah has not made that we should go through the human beings to get to Him, but whoever uh, wants to get near to Allah, they should get near to Allah directly by supplicating Allah Himself. Now, whoever seeks some means of getting to Allah that is not legislated in the Sharia, then that is an act of ibadah. And any act of ibadah that is not legislated, it is shirk. Whatever ibadah is given to other than Allah, it is shirk. Whatever the ibadah is, whatever it may be, every act of worship that is given to other than Allah, it is shirk. Omar. If something is given by a riba bank, the bank that deals with interest to an institution or a school as a donation, are you allowed to take it? We should not take it because it is unlawful wealth. A Muslim should avoid it. Now. 
You want to get your legal? You're right. Hold one moment. Just hold the telephone. No. No. Well, most of the scholars have agreed that whoever pays money illegally, a bribe, bribery, to achieve their rights that are lawfully, lawfully theirs, then there's no blame on them. The blame is on the one who has taken it. The blame is on the one who has taken it. But bribery in and of itself, it is unlawful in Islam. If somebody uses it to get rights that belong to somebody else, the one who pays it and the one who receives it is sinful. If somebody uses it to gain their lawful rights that are proven to be theirs, then there's no blame on them for doing so. Can you use? In any case, some of the scholars said that money that is illegal or unlawful, that it can be used in public works to build roads or to build sewerage systems or something like this. It shouldn't be used to build a masjid or to print Qur'ans. However, if somebody has money from the bank that is illegal, from riba, and they want to get rid of it, they, don't, they shouldn't leave it in the bank for those people to use it. Then some of the scholars said they can use it for public works for the benefit of the society in general. Perhaps it might come under that. Allahu alam. Naam. Do you have a question? Any other questions? Naam. You said treat your patients with sadaqah. Yani the sick person, you can cure him by giving sadaqah. Naam. That is a hadith. Well, I don't... I'm, Does it become a vow? No, it is not a vow. The vow means that a person vows to Allah that I will give. I promise Allah, I promise I will give some charity if you heal that person. Meaning that it is conditional that you will only give it if they heal the person. But if you give charity, not conditional, you gave it, hoping that Allah would heal the person as a result, that is different. You are not making a condition. The one who makes a vow he doesn't fulfill the vow until that what he asked for is given. After he has given it, then his condition has been met. Okay, Allah, you have fulfilled my condition, now I will give. But the one who gives in advance, then they are not making a condition with Allah. That is the correct thing to do. <laughs>